Dear friends, how are you? It is Kel Spellman here from Call of the Wild. A very warm welcome to another one of our bonus episodes. Now this time, it's an extra chat with presenter and writer Fern Cotton. I cannot tell you how beautiful and wonderful this conversation was. It had been one that I'd been wanting to have for ages and it did not disappoint. It was free-flowing, it was meandering. We had a good old natter about mental health and well-being and of course about taking time in nature. Sit back, relax, and do enjoy. I'll catch you at the end. It's our absolute pleasure, and it's you've been someone that I've I've really kind of hoped we could get on the podcast, and and here we are, series two, and and here you are. So first of all, thank you for your time, and actually, I mean, thank you for the community that you've created with with your podcast as well, Fern. I think it's become a very special place, and I know very important to people, and it's something that I thoroughly enjoy, and just wondered. For yourself, you know, how important has that been, building and growing a community like that? Massively. I think, you know, probably especially over the last couple of years, because there was a point where none of us really knew how to continue working, I guess, at the start of 2020. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I can't do the podcast anymore. This is so sad. And then we all mm-hmm. learned about something called Zoom, which we've literally been on it ever since. Um, <laughs> but it massively helped me continue the work I was doing and actually allowed me to reach people that I might not have um, prior to the pandemic because of availability and geographically where they were based in the world. So it's in ways opened up more doors to to chat to more people. And I think we've all been, communities have built faster because of that. So I I feel very grateful that I've been able to continue the happy place work that I'm doing. Um, But also it's really given me a, a sort of a kick up the bum to really ensure that the work is a responsibility, like the work that I'm doing with the podcast, not to make it sound grander than it is or whatever, but there is a responsibility that the content that I'm delivering, especially via the podcast, is helpful. Mm. I don't want it to just be sort of random musings. I want it to really be helpful. So beautiful. I wondered when when you say about the responsibility, like, do you feel a pressure with that at all? Sometimes, because I, I want to ensure that I'm covering all the subjects possible, which is impossible. You know, it's a sort of futile exercise in a sense because I'll never be able to cover every single issue Mm. out there or problem or person or group in need. We can certainly try and we want to be able to, you know, I want to learn, which is the biggest driving force behind it. I, what do I know? I only know my own experience. There's so much I don't know and I want Mm. to sit and listen to people. So, we're trying very hard to get a, a great full spectrum of different stories and storytellers and subject matters covered. And I'll just keep doing that until well, we'll never run out of subjects. So hopefully I can just keep doing the podcast. Please do. I think I can speak for thousands of people to say keep it coming first. <laughs> um, well, by this podcast, of course, we're, we're centred around the environment and, and trying to really open the conversation on climate change. I think we've lost the connection to the natural world. It's a big theme that keeps coming up on this podcast. And that connection in simplest form, as we forget, is we are it and it is us. And what we do unto it is we are doing unto ourselves. There's, there is there's a real gap between making that connection and I don't quite know how we bridge it. I guess the starting point is trying to reconnect with nature. And I wondered if that is the starting point. Is that something you've been able to do? I think it's the starting point as a solution to both things, because mm. one of the best ways to improve your mental health, as we all know, and it sounds really simple and it might not work instantly for everyone, because I think you have to differentiate mental health and mental illness. And if you are mentally ill, 
going for a walk every day isn't going to like cure everything and make you a different person. It's going to help and it's going to yes. give you a benefit, but it's not going to entirely solve it. You probably will have to have therapy. There might be medication involved. It doesn't matter. It's, there's a bespoke route that you will have to find. But mm-hmm. I do think the environment and being in nature is a key component to all of it. But yeah. for me personally, for just keeping a, you know a decent level of equilibrium with my mental health going for a walk in the local park is key like I have to do it if not every day because sometimes I don't have a chance with the kids and whatever but on most days to get out even for half an hour listen to some beautiful music or a podcast or just listen to the birds and all that sort of stuff is key to me feeling okay and and it's a very simple thing it's not like we have to sort of be growing our own vegetables. I mean, all this stuff helps, but it's not all or nothing. I think we can incrementally try. And obviously then that connection helps us have more respect for the planet that we're inhabiting. I think really it's something that has felt important in the last 10 years, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, having kids and knowing that it's very important for them to get outside and to luckily like both my kids, but especially my nine-year-old Rex is obsessed with the sea i mean he would literally go rock pooling all day if you let him until the sun went down we went to the seaside last week for half term and me and rex went toodling off onto this beautiful little rocky cove that we know of and we were just looking for crabs for hours and he's in his element yeah and there's a magical thing about being by the water as well i think that that it does i don't know what it is i've not put my finger on it yet but there is something about when you get by water i think it's um this sort of humbling feeling of I am this tiny speck of nothingness because look at that sea and it goes on forever, this expanse of water that connects around the whole globe and here's little me with my little problems and there's these huge (laughs) waves or there's this massive, you know, volume of water. Like you can't quantify it or get your head around it. So it's humbling yeah. There's something really levelling about that. It's great. There's something you said as well about Rex and uh, I'll do my name drop now. I'll just drop that behind Go me. Go on. Is and, it Attenborough? Um, of course it is. It's the main man. <laughs> Big man Dave. Uh, so David, and, and he says, he goes, because that thing of getting back out in nature, he says, it's innately in us. He says, whenever you see a child, you can't not find a child that's not fascinated by picking up a little like bit of bark and seeing the worms in the trees or going to spend hours without thinking about it in a rock pool. And somewhere... Between, I think, 9, 10, 12 to then 18, we lose it. Yep. Now, I think that's society, that's phones and where we're at. But like you say, it's amazing when people do suddenly find it again, maybe a little bit later on in life. And there is nothing more, I think, grounding than reigniting that feeling that has been in us since since day dot, since we yeah. came out of the womb, I guess. Well, like you said, it's we are it. We, yeah. We've created this weird disconnect, this discord nature and then humans we are it we are the same yeah and animals and like our whole connection is we're just so massively ignoring it so it's it's a beautiful thing that that sir david said and i can't outdo that name drop like you have it's we've peaked at name drop height yeah but i will do an add-on to your name drop <laughs> i'm ready sir david attenborough lives there no yeah i can see into his house this is a bit creepy actually i probably shouldn't be admitting this but if i stand on my decking outside the back door i can see into sir david's hallway 
How have you been pleased tell me you've knocked on for some sugar or something at some Absolutely point? Absolutely not. No, I'm Fern. terrified. I've Fern. seen I've seen Sir David walking around not in the last two years actually, but um I have seen him prior to that a few times walking to the post box and back, which is on our neighbouring street. And I'm too I'm too nervous. I just go, Oh my god, and then walk away. <laughs> and my son's going, Oh my god, I'm going shush, shush, shush. I'm too nervous. I'm too bloody nervous. Just one day, I hope it takes you. Just, just, just do it. Don't think about it. I'm telling you a lot. What, what a man. Oh, what if it goes badly? I'd never be able to I get mean, over that. I'm going to go out here and say, I don't think it can with, with him, you know? I mean, I'd say I only spent an hour with him, but even in that hour, I was like, he is, he's some man. He'd I give know. you his time of day, Fern. Do you think? But it is, <laughs> yeah. But, or just send Rex along with some crab that he's caught. Well, that'll that's get him on true. Side. That's true. That'll get him on side. Also, I was, when we were kind of think doing some research and stuff, there was a couple of bits that, you, that you've kind of also turned to. I think stargazing, which I think yeah. is, is beautiful. You're saying kind of looking at the night sky, which is I'd recommend anyone to do. And you'll be surprised how many shooting stars you see on a clear night. Do you know what? We had this in Dorset the other day. So, obviously, because I live sort of on the outskirts of London, it's pretty bad light pollution. We don't get many stars. And I sort of forget how sad that is until we go to Dorset. And we went, and my parents came down as well recently. And we all went to the pub uh, for dinner, came out, and we were right by the coast. There was zero light pollution. And we looked up and all of us just fell silent. We were like, oh, my God. And then my my dad, who's like knows everything, was saying to Rex, here's Venus, this is Mars. And Rex went, that's a planet. Like, he, he he blew his mind. Wow. And we stood there picking out constellations for maybe half an hour. We were absolutely freezing. We did not care. We were just stood there in awe. And it was so amazing to sort of see Rex really grasp the concept of, like, we're on a floating ball in the mm. middle of infinite space here. Yeah, wow. And for my dad to be in awe, it was just this beautiful moment. So... I think, again, like the sea, there's nothing more levelling than going, I'm a tiny speck walking around on a tiny speck in the middle of <laughs> infinite space with loads of stuff we don't know around us. Like, we know nothing. We know nothing. Like, get rid of your ego, guys. We literally know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. We know. And that's okay. It's perfectly fine. It's, it's how it's meant to be. But let's get real and remember that we know nothing. Yeah, I know nothing. And even the stuff we do know, we need to act on it a little bit more, I think. That's the other thing. We need to act on it. That's what we bloody do. Um, Also, I wanted to, this is one thing I wanted to say to you, because I know um, on one of your episodes, you talked about wanting to go cold water swimming. Mm. Enjoy that. That is a game changer. A little bit of earthing, a bit of barefoot walking fern. That would be one thing I think you've done if you've tried it. But actually, you know, even in your woods... Even if it's 10, 15 minutes, a bit of barefoot walking is a beautiful thing to just feel the ground beneath your feet. And I think that's another thing we miss. It's like on my allotment, you know, like working with the soil or feeling the soil or the hugging of a tree or a bit of barefoot walking to actually feel it and and get it amongst you is something that we don't do anymore. And it's so important, like, and it hits you. It hits you differently. It really does. You know what? I've carved out a bit of space for a vegetable patch and it. I haven't done anything. and I need some tips. So I'm going to have to get you to tell me what the hell I'm doing because I don't have a clue and it's something I feel I really want to get into and I'm also at the perfect, the prime age for gardening at the age of 40 now. This is something I need to definitely dive into (laughs) but I just haven't yet and there's something holding me back probably because I make myself too busy and I need to stop doing that but I know I'm going to get a lot from that. You'll love it. Well, I'll come down 
I'll help yeah. you get Can it you set just up. Do it for me. Hundred percent. That'll be good. For, good for me. I'm trying to find something to do in London, and then um, okay. and then we'll go for a barefoot walk as well. There we go. Yes. So Jesse actually went because we've got a really good friend called Richie who's really into barefoot walking. And we went for a walk, and he took his shoes off, and I was like, "What is Richie doing? Like he's going to tread in dog poo. What is he up to?" And I was like, "Mate, are you sure you want to do this?" And he's like, "Yes, I'm. This is so amazing." So then Jesse just copied, and they walked off together, and I. I didn't do it. I don't know why. There was something, probably was the dog poo stopping me and the deer poo because there's deer in the park. But I do need to just get over myself and do it because I know it's an amazing feeling. When we go to the beach, I'm always trainers off straight away, even if Mm. it's freezing. And just walking on the sand or the stone, the pebbles is so gorgeous. So I need to implement that into my park life as well. There we go. There's that else you can take that from today's uh, today's interview. Um, Eco-anxiety, Fern. This question's in two parts. Have you... First of all, heard about this phrase and have you seen it grown? And what is your understanding of it? Yes, uh, massively so. And I think there are, luckily, this is weird to say, luckily a lot of the younger generations growing up really feel it. And that is because they care deeply. Mm-hmm. And probably more so than my generation and more so than the generations above us. So it's obviously excluding lots of people that do great work in that area. But I'm talking about en masse. And I think it's because the problems are much more prevalent, but they're also we're much more aware of them because we have the internet and we have social media and messaging spreads. So people of younger generations are much more aware than, you know, when I was a kid in the 80s, the only things we'd know about the environment were taught at school because there, yeah. there were no other ways to get the information. So we didn't grow up with that. We were just told to turn the lights off and turn the taps off. And that's literally where it ended. Yeah. Um, we did, certainly didn't know about plastic being bad. We did not have a clue because we weren't. that wasn't the messaging coming from the government to schools, etc. That can't happen as much these days because there's always a YouTube channel or a social media account showing you the other options. And there are always ways to get the info out, which we didn't have. So I think more young people are feeling an acute sense of anxiety around the Mm -hmm. environment. We're all feeling it at a level, but there are, you know, huge groups of young people that are really feeling it. And, um, you know, I think anxiety is just on on the rise in general, relating to all manner of things that the modern world delivers to us. And it's not an easy time to be a young person because of that. Yeah. And again, what do we do about it? I don't know. With the mental health aspect, I'm trying to do bits and bobs here and there and do what I can and at least keep conversations rolling. But these problems are so huge mm. and propelled due to phones and social media and all sorts. You know, I think the only remedy, again, is to try and take a break from it all. But that's easier yeah. for my generation than it is for a teen who... Yeah solely communicates with their friends when they're not at school through apps you know yeah you can't tell a kid to not do that that's their lifeline to their mates so i don't know again will there be some sort of amazing implosion where we all give up on that one day probably not but you know it's difficult i don't know i think the anxiety issues are huge for youngsters well for lots of people for youngsters and I don't know what any of the answers are, and even that gives me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> it's a self-perpetuating <laughs> yeah. cycle, isn't it? I'm a, I've spoke to young people about it quite a bit. I mean, it's something as well. Listen, I, I, I feel it, you know, still from time to time. And it's funny, going back to where we kind of start the conversation, community, I think, is quite an important thing. At least when they find maybe a group then in the local area or maybe a few friends in their school that are thinking about, gosh, are you worried about this like I am? And I think... 
that's that's a great tool i think in which we use because you suddenly realize okay well it's not just me feeling this and actually you're a part of a group then that are trying to find whatever ways they might be a way to combat those feelings or maybe do something that will make them feel more positive yeah i think community is a big part of it with any issue going on on the planet if you can find people that share your concerns but also your hope then what a beautiful dynamic amazing transaction so yeah seek out people that I've certainly done that by accident on you know with happy place the good part of social media is that I've got all these new friends that I've made who have come on the podcast or I've ended up chatting to them on dm and then all of a sudden I've got another person in my life that cares about stuff I do it's really lovely I wanted to ask you, Fern, before kind of we, we move towards the back end of the conversation, it's slightly personal, but you speak a lot about your kids. And I wondered, did having kids make you realise or bring about kind of the, maybe the interest and wanting to know more about climate change because it is going to impact them more? Did that kind of bring on more of those feelings and make you more, go, I need to know more about this? Yeah, I think everything that's going on in the world at the moment that feels terrifying, ugly, and awful and discriminative in whatever area, it terrifies me thinking about that. And then their kids and their kids and the generations that come after them, I it blows my mind thinking about it. And you just want them to grow up in a, a nice place where good things happen and the right mm. things happen. And at the moment, it doesn't feel that way in so many areas. Because yeah. when you hear th- horrible stats like we've got to cut emissions, we've got to stop with the plastic and, and their dates like 2030 or even 2050, you think, oh, that's in the sort of space age future. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's like we're in 2022, which when I was <laughs> in the 90s, that sounded ludicrous. Like, oh my God, imagine when we're in the year 2022. That's such a weird thing to say. Like we're in 1996, 2022, that's ludicrous. <laughs> we're there. We're in it now. So all that stuff, 2030, 2050, that's around the corner. Yeah. What's it like? That's what panics me. And, you know, I'm not sat here going, come on, everyone. I'm saying it to myself. I'm not doing enough. Now, even Jay, Dr. Jane Goodall said she's not doing enough. Like We yeah. all know. But because it's so hard to do enough, because the systems in place stop us in our everyday actions from making moves that benefit the planet rather than extract from it. So it's so impossible. I don't even know how to articulate that feeling, but... You know, those dates that keep getting mentioned and get mentioned at all the big global meets, weirdly, they're around the corner. Yeah, yeah, it is coming. It's coming. And I think it's, yeah, it's it's on them to really flip and turn it around. And they're still not acting with the urgency we need. But um, listen, all we can do is keep applying that pressure. Think about so many things I've learned coming out of this podcast. Where are we spending our money? Even if you've not got that much of it, you know, who are you choosing to stand with? What are you standing up and believing in? You know, you're signing those petitions. Are you going to go to that action, that climate action kind of meet when it happens? All them little things, they may not feel like a lot, but collectively you've got to remember they are, they are huge. And you know, that, that that brings me hope when I see people doing that. I wondered then, for you personally, what are those steps you've taken to try and be more su- sustainable in, in your day-to-day and over these years that the kind of, you know, your understanding has grown? Well, I think because I've got between two or four kids in the house at any one time, because I've got two step... Well, you know Arthur, who's actually an adult. I'm not going to use the word kids because yeah. he's 20. Um, yeah. but We've be, had a few drinks together. For yeah, you've had a few yeah. drinks. He worked in a bar that I, I know you frequent. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, but we have sometimes 
the younger two are here. Last night, my stepdaughter was with us as well. Sometimes Arthur comes to stay. I think that's been a big one for me because it's a daily thing and we have to do a big shop often. So looking at and learning about, more importantly, seasonal food, certainly the organic options that are out there and knowing how detrimental pesticides are. There's a a lovely episode of the podcast I did with Andy Cato from Groove Armada, who runs Wild Farmed, who has spent years and years looking at these wonderful farming systems that help to keep the soil completely thriving and healthy all year, every year, without a fallow year. And obviously with plastic consumption. And there's a few swaps that I've done that I absolutely love. One of the big ones for me, again, being extremely neat and tidy, which is an inbuilt coping mechanism to the chaos of life Mm -hmm. is my cleaning products so i found this amazing company called neat n-e-a-t and this is not an advert i'm not getting paid by them i found these guys and adore them you have a bottle for life and then i go onto their website and i order a big bulk lot at one time of tiny glass bottles with aluminium caps of surface cleaner which let me tell you with kids i go through so much surface cleaner and you get bathroom cleaner and glass and window cleaner Mm. so little swaps like that and then other stuff to do with cosmetics i don't buy the individual disposable wipes or face pads i've got the bamboo ones that you just keep putting in the washing machine or you just hand wash them and use them again like shampoo in bars in tins yeah there's lots of really good companies doing it it's not the easiest option they're probably not going to be on all the supermarkets tesco sainsbury's waitrose shelves But you can buy them online. You can find them if you Google them. Again, deodorant. I get the glass jar with the balm that you put under your armpits. Yeah, same. I'll do great, yeah. I do the natural deodorant company. There are some great companies doing great things. They're just not as known. And we just need to keep pushing that people find them and discover them and see that they're brilliant. Love that. Fern, it's it's been a dream to have you on. And and again, I just want to say, you know, I really do admire and appreciate kind of all your work and, and the way that you speak to people. I learned so much from you and your show. And yeah, you are an inspiration to a lot of people. So thank you and, and keep on keep on fighting that good fight. Oh, thanks, Cal. It's been so nice talking to you. It's just a conversation that needs to keep being had. So keep doing your podcast. It's brilliant. Thank you. And I'll, I'll, say, I'll come out with you with the allotment soon. Yeah, let's do it. The one, the only, Fern Cotton. What a treat it was to finally have her on the podcast. And I want to say a massive thank you to Fern for her time and for her words and for her brilliant advice. She's ace, isn't she? I really hope you enjoyed it too. Now, if you did, you know what I'm going to say. Please do make sure you subscribe. It makes a massive difference to us. And if you've got time, a review would be greatly appreciated if you can Our next episode is out in two weeks where we're going to look at the small steps we can all be taking to make our homes more green. Very much looking forward to it, especially because we're joined by none other than Kevin MacLeod. Call of the Wild is a fresh air production for WWF. We'll see you next time. Peace and love. Listener.